We're going to continue in our series, week two of our series entitled Jesus, who he is and, and what he did. And our theme scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, beginning, uh, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. And again, this series is going to uh, take us uh, not only to Easter, but, but through past Easter uh, as well. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and 2. You'll remember, friends, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, that when I came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to this planet and dying on the cross for our sins. But even before that, as we saw yesterday, teaching us how to live, as we saw last week, you were an example and taught us how to live. Now, Lord, as we jump into this message today and continue to look at your life and, Lord God, what this means for us, that you would help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me to clearly preach your word and help us all to receive it. I cancel and bind up all distractions of the enemy, and we just take authority over this service and ask that you would have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So see, what the Apostle Paul said in this verse is what I'm trying to do in this series, and truly, every time that we preach, but in this series, I'm trying to keep it plain and simple and just talk about Jesus, who he is, and what he did. Again, the series is about him and, 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 all, and some of his attributes. Last week, we talked about Jesus, the teacher. And, and again, not only that he taught with his mouth, but we saw examples that he gave us. He lived them out, uh, even in things that he wasn't actually teaching at the moment, like the Beatitude, Sermon on the Mount, or a certain thing. He showed us how to overcome temptation, how to serve, how to, how to, uh, you know, uh, Submit to God's plan and, and, and different things like that. So if you missed anything, uh, if you missed that message last week, check it out online, our website, app, YouTube, Vimeo, all those different places. So today we're going to turn the corner and we're going to look at Jesus the shepherd. Jesus the shepherd. John 10, 10 through 11, Jesus said this, that thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you may have life. Life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. Amen? Aren't you glad that the good shepherd came and was willing to lay down his life for us? You know, this was Jesus' favorite description of himself and the favorite description of the church which is his flock. There's many different metaphors that are used to describe the church like a family, right? And this shows as when God, talk, uh, the Bible talks about the family God, it shows that this is more than just an institution. It's more than just an organization, right? We're meant to be a family. We're meant to be based upon relationships. Amen? That's why life groups are so important. And we continue to encourage you to, to get connected to a life group so you can continue to build closer and more intimate relationships with others in the body of Christ. And then the Bible says that we're a fellowship, which means that we should be in unity. We should live in unity, worship in unity, and walk in unity. And then, of course, a body. We are, we're referred to as the body of Christ. And this means that we have a function. And that's important because there's some people that come to church and have not found their part yet, what their body part is, what their function is, right? And that's why, again, we have next steps to try to help you to find out your purpose. We want you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and use that to make a difference. So you need to find out what your function, what part of the body are you? So the flock and the shepherd of the flock is the description we're going to look at today. 
the most beautiful description of Jesus as our shepherd is found in the famous Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous and most quoted uh, chapters, and, and some say the most quoted chapter in all the Bible. So we're going to read through Psalm 23 today and look at the, the depiction of the good shepherd, right? We believe God is, is one, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus came down, manifest himself. So even though this was David's revelation of God, we know that Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen? So we're going to read it in the New King James Version. A lot of us have learned and, and maybe memorized or quoted in a, in, a, in a translation very similar to this one. So let's read it. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with all. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just asked Blue, I said, who picked out that song? And I thought it was Nathan. Nathan's out of town this week, and it was actually Shane. I said, man, I'm preaching on Psalm 23 today. And we just ended the set with, surely your goodness is running after me. I love when the Holy Spirit does that. Come on, somebody. Amen. We couldn't have planned it that well. This is the psalm of the great shepherd who cares for his sheep and equips them for life. Now, certainly this psalm has a message for the hurting and the grieving, but it's unfortunate that this is used primarily or the majority of the time at funerals. And look, I've done it myself. Matter of fact, I was at a, a graveside service yesterday, Brendan's uh, dad and, 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 and the deacon, he shared it. And I'm glad he did as he was sharing it. I actually picked up my phone because I thought about something to add to, to this message. But you know what? Psalm 23 is not only for, for, for those times, it's focused on what Jesus does for us all the days of our lives, not just at time of death. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at the attributes of the good shepherd. Let's look at some of those. First, the shepherd, and I, I made this personal. I wanted to personalize these points, so to speak. So as you're writing it, if you are taking notes, if you have it on your phone, the app or the papers, so you can personalize it to you. First, the shepherd provides for me. The shepherd provides for me. I, every one of these, I want you to personalize and say, yeah, I know the shepherd God provides. But no, I want you to personalize. The shepherd provides for me. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The verb is actually a participle, and it means is shepherding me. The Lord is shepherding me. And the second part of the verse, the Hebrew literally means I will lack nothing. See, eastern shepherds guarded their sheep. They led them, they provided them with food and water. They took care of them when they were weary, bruised, cut, or sick, rescued them when they strayed, knew their names, assisted in delivering their lambs, and in every way simply loved them. We can relate to sheep, right? Even in, in, in life. See, in Israel, pastures were lush and green, but following the rainy season, it didn't last all year. So it didn't, they couldn't all go back to the same, uh, every time. So he, he, he was liking and he knew that he was, David was a shepherd himself, right? So see the emphasis on verse one is that Jesus is adequate for every need that his sheep may have when they are in his pasture. See, when God's people follow their shepherd, they have all they need for the necessities of life, whether it's food or finances, whether it's comfort when hurting, whether it's direction and uncertainty or deliverance 
when attacked. And that's a, that's an overview right there. A lot of times we focus on the need, physical needs and, you know, finances or health or healing, but all of these things. What about when we're under attack by the enemy? We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. Where, where are they at? In Christ Jesus, in our good shepherd. See, we stay under the flow of the shepherd's provision by staying in right relationship with him. Right? See, those of us that are parents, we know, our, our children really know, especially our children that are younger, that are in the house with us, they know that we're going to provide for their needs, Right? They don't, whenever they get up in the morning, they come to the table to eat breakfast. They're not thinking like, you know, what was the budget for the groceries this week, dad? They, they don't think that, right? They're not thinking like, how, you know, what, what, how did this come about? Like what? No, they just show up and no food's going to be there, right? And my parents, is that right? Does, 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 did, did your kids ever ask you about your budget for your grocery budget? Not at all. They just asked mom, why don't we have Fruit Loops in the pantry? That's the only, right? Because they know we're going to provide for them. They know as long as we're in right relationship, even as they get old, these become teenagers and, and, and young adults, they know that we want to help them as long as we're in right relationship with them, right? And it's the same. If we're, if we're in right relationship with the Lord, we know that his provision, and, and again, this is not just because we're, we're going to read it down. He, he's, we're going to get into him restoring our soul, right? It's not just, but it's whatever the, the case, whatever we may need. And that that it's also... Honoring God with the first fruit, honoring God with the tithes. And I just, I do want to say, and we've been blessed. Y'all are a given church. Last year, I mean, so many churches took a hit during the pandemic and we very, very, very minimal did our giving go down. So thank you. Why don't you give yourself a round of applause? Amen. That means we have a very given church that honors the tithe and honors the Lord with their first. And I want to just encourage you because we know the promise in Malachi that if you do bring the tithe to the storehouse, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. In other words, he'll provide for you. Amen. Number two, the shepherd restores me. I love this one, man. Psalm 23, 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Do you know why it says he makes us lie down? Do you know why? Because we're not going to do it on on our own, right? Again, parents with children, how many little kids, especially toddlers, are willing to go take a nap? No, right? You got to make a child stop from running around all over the house being, and you have to make them take a nap. Isn't that right? See, David understood that he makes me lie down. Because we run 100 miles an hour every day, and not only physically, but in here. And in here, we're always running. And the Lord makes us lie down. We have to to, to stop and pause. Most of the time, we can't be restored because we're running. You may want to write that down. If you need restoration for your soul, most of the time, we cannot be restored because we're constantly running. And that's why the Lord makes us to lie down. Yes, we need physical rest, and that is a part of it. We need physical rest. It's important, and talked about that back in January, in rhythms, that some practical things that you need. Get to bed earlier and, and take naps when you can and all these things. But again, it says here, he restores my soul. And then let's look at the words of the good shepherd himself in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Very familiar. Most of you can quote it. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He goes on later in the, the a couple of verses says, you will find rest for your soul. See, when your soul is weary and heavy burden, it needs to be restored. 
And part of that is tapping into the Lord in his rest. See, those green pastures represent, those were the, the sheep ate and fed. That represents us feeding on the word of God, right? See, not only do we need rest, we need to feed on his word. This is interesting. And this is where it correlates. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I know, Brandon, you're telling us almost every week that we need to read the Bible. I'm not just talking about just reading the Bible on your way out the house when you're eating your Cheerios or grabbing your muffin and your coffee. I'm talking about feasting on the word. These, 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 these sheep that he was talking about in Psalm 23 wasn't just nibbling in those pastures. They were feasting. They were, they were, they were getting enough nutrition to last them for the day, right? And it's the same thing. And this is an interesting fact and in how it correlates. Did you know that sheep will not lie down if they're hungry? Sheep will not lie down if they're hungry. So in our case, we can't truly find rest for our souls if you're not feasting in the green pastures of the word of God. You say, man, I just feel empty. I feel dry. All this is going on. How much are you feasting on the word? He likens us to sheep. You can't truly lay down and have rest in your soul if you're not getting what's needed in the green pastures of his word. He goes on to say he leads me to still waters. This represents the presence of God. And as we just did, worship is one of the best ways to allow the rivers or the streams of the Holy Spirit to flow through your life. See, sheep will not drink from a fast-flowing stream. Sometimes a shepherd would temporarily dam up a stream so the sheep can drink. So verse 2 can be read beside distilled waters, waters that have slowed down. They're not going to drink from a rushing water from, 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 you know, uh, what you call that rapids, right? You know, if anybody went white water rafting before, right? That sheep ain't going to drink from that. It's got to be stilled water that the shepherd slows down. See, we must get still before the Lord and let his stillness, the stillness of his presence wash over us. So listen, turn off the news, turn off social media, turn off your phone and turn on worship. If you need your soul restored, if your mind's going everywhere, if your heart's broken, if you're grieving, you seem like you just can't get a grip on life and get a peace inside of you, turn those things off and turn on worship and get still before the Lord. Listen, sometimes it's us not even singing. You ever turn on worship music and you just sit there? Just let the waters wash over you. Just, just let them wash over you. Sometimes in worship, man, that's all I do. I just sit there and just, man, when I'm running, uh, y'all know me, I, I'm never a loss for words, right? So sometimes I just need to just be quiet and let the Lord just wash over me and just refresh me and restore my soul. Some of you need restoration in your soul today, and only the good shepherd can provide that. Only he can truly restore your soul. The word restore in Hebrew literally means to return back to the point of departure. See, all of us have departed from a point that we need to be at some point in life. Isn't that right? And I walk with the Lord and maybe our mental or emotional state, uh, our, our physical state, we've departed on from a, a point where the Lord wants us. And that's what restoration means. Restoration brings you back to that point. And again, only the Lord can truly do that. Rest is the root word of restore. Amen. We find our rest in the presence of the good shepherd so our souls can be restored. Come on today, I just sense, and as I was praying, and as even I'm on preaching, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that this is gonna, this is a big point for somebody in here today, or maybe multiple people that you've been tormented in your soul. You, you've broke off from the point, you've, you've departed from a point where the Lord wants you to be, and He wants to restore your soul this morning. Amen.
He wants to begin the process of anything. Amen. Number three, the Lord leads or the shepherd leads me. The shepherd leads me. Psalm 23, 3, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Another way to say this is he leads me in the right path. See, sheep are defenseless animals that are prone to get lost and they almost need constant care. Come on, how many of y'all get encouraged or discouraged that the Lord likened us to sheep? <laughs> right? But it's true, right? They, they were prone to get lost, to go wayward, to depart from the point they needed to be. Or they were, and they were defenseless, right? You never seen a sheep in a, in a straight out battle with somebody. They, they need protection. The word lead actually means to lead gently. I love that. To lead gently. So you cannot drive sheep like you drive cattle. You got to lead them. You have to lead sheep. And, and he knows. He's saying he wants to gently lead us along the paths of life. In life, there are a lot of different paths that we can take. Some of those paths, if you take them, you find yourself in trouble. I kind of hit on this, and I just added this verse this morning, but it's so true. As he talks about leading us down the right path, I want to read it again, Proverbs 14, 12, because I read it last week. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Just because it seems right doesn't mean that it is. Just because it seems that way doesn't mean it is. Right? There are some paths that truly are the right paths. How will you know it? I love this. How will you know when you're on the right path? Well, it tells us later in that verse, because it'll have God's name on it. He says, he leads me down the right path for his name's sake. You know you're on the right path when God's stamp, when his name is on it, right? He says it in verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord wants to gently lead you down the path that has his name on it. Because guess what? This is the path that will bring you fulfillment. This is the path that bring you fulfillment. This is why it's so important, again, to find your purpose. When you find your purpose and you're willing to pursue it, you begin to go down the right path that has the Lord's name and blessing in hand and anointing and favor all over it. When you go down a path that seems good, that seems right, it can be void of all of those things, void of the good shepherd alone. Yo, this world's getting so crazy. I would hate to try to navigate through all of this stuff without the good shepherd leading us by his Holy Spirit. Aren't, aren't you glad we have the good shepherd each and every day of our lives? Again, you can jump in the next step right after the service if you've never found your purpose. If you say, Brian, I don't know how I'm wired. What's my gifts? What's my talents? Where God's wired me? What's my personality? We want to help you. But listen, we can only help you. We can't tell you. I, I can't look and say, I know exactly what the Lord wants you to do. Honestly, in my, in my early ministry years, I did that and it came back to bite me. I spoke into young men's life and said, man, I feel like the Lord's calling you to be a pastor, man. You know what? Sometimes it seems right to, to, to me too, and it's not. We can help you, but you ultimately, you have to hear from the Lord yourself. You have to listen to the shepherd and exactly what he's telling you to do. Look at what Jesus himself said in John 10, 3 and 4. Jesus, regarding himself, he said, The sheep listen to my voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Then later he says, His sheep will follow him because they know his voice. You know, I heard about a pastor, true story. A pastor had just graduated, or this guy just graduated seminary. And so he actually took a job for two years in Israel. He moved to Israel and went to Israel for two years to actually be a real a shepherd of real sheep because he felt like it would give him a greater understanding of shepherding people in a church. 
And so he said that as a shepherd, what a lot of times what they'll do, you might have four or five different flocks with four or five different shepherds, and they're on a hill grazing in a pasture, and all the flocks are mixed together. But when one shepherd calls for his sheep, he might, whatever, a noise, and he might, yee, whatever, I don't know, he'd do something. All his sheep pick their head up, and he would, he would begin to go with the shepherd. And then another shepherd would call, yee, yee, and whatever he'd do, call him out as though, and they break off. And, and, and they would go follow him as well. And he was asked, was there any time that a sheep or any, any amount of sheep would ever stay? He said, never. He said, in two years, I never saw one sheep get left behind. They all knew the, their shepherd's voice, even when there was multiple shepherds around and multiple sheep that wasn't part of their flock. Come on, somebody. David knew. David was a shepherd himself, right? So David understood. He's writing this because he was a shepherd boy himself. He knew and he was likening to listen. We got to recognize the voice of the Lord. Some people say it's hard to recognize God's voice. Well, the key is you got to spend time with him. The more you spend time with him, the more you're going to recognize his voice. That's the only way, church. We can help you. Like, man, it's if it's hard for you, up your time that you spend with the Lord. Up your time grazing in the green pastures of the word. Sitting quietly. Sitting by those still waters being still. If it's hard for you to hear God's voice, you need to up that time. I, I just thought of another great illustration. There was another pastor here on staff uh, for a few years, and uh, and and he wasn't in the auditorium. I know he was in a meeting. Somebody's children were sitting right here. And I remember he walked in the back, and he sat down, and I forgot who was preaching, but I was sitting down, and I'll never forget a great illustration. Whenever he said, amen, his son perked up and looked behind. He heard his dad say one word, and he knew his dad was in the building. I just thought, man, what a powerful illustration that, you know, when we're close and we know, right, that's his father who's raised him, who he lives with. He knew his father's voice from one word. It's the same with us. We can recognize the good shepherd's voice. Amen. The fourth thing we see here, and I love this, and some of you, this is for you today. If you leave here with anything else, the shepherd is with me. He's not just leading me, providing for me, doing these things at a distance. No, the shepherd is with me. Psalm 23, 4. Now, these next few, I'm going I'm to I'm read from the New Living Translation. It says this, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because this, I love this, for you are close beside me. See, this is the central verse of the psalm, and the personal pronoun changes from he to you. Come on, you didn't know you was going to get a little English lesson today, right? I mean, I did. I, I did horrible in English. I was like, participle? What is that again? Let me Google that when I said that earlier, right? But he changes from he to you. David is not speaking about the shepherd. Now he's speaking to the shepherd. He, he starts talking about what the Lord does for him. Now he starts speaking to the Lord himself. He says, you are close beside me. See, now David's getting personal, right? In the dark valleys of life, the Lord is not before us, but he's right beside us, leading the way and calming our fears. See, the darkest valley, obviously, and that's why I like this translation, represents any difficult experience of life that makes us afraid, which includes death. A lot of times when we quote it from like King James, New King James, although we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, 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 the new living is more accurate because it's the darkest valleys of life. It's not always death. It's just a dark valley, right? I mean, David wasn't dead when he wrote that. I know that's revelation right there to you. But David had read, walked through some, some major dark valleys in his life, and he knew that the Lord was right beside him. See, sheep don't have good vision and are easily frightened in new circumstances, especially when it's dark. Sheep can't see good. Real, real sheep can't see good, and they get startled if there's something new going on. 
Come on, how many of us as human beings don't like change? When there's something new, there's a new circumstance, it's like, man, we, we, it, it throws us for a loop sometimes, right? The presence of the shepherd would calm the sheep, and it's the same with us. When you know that the Lord is with you, he's not just some far-off God in the heavens. It's not just a, a, a just somebody that, oh, man, Brandon, can you pray for me because I know God hears you. Trust me, people have told us that, man, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, I'll pray with you, brother, but you need to seek the Lord. I know, but you got like that, that red phone, that direct line to God. So, brother, I have the same line you have. It's the exact same one. Same phone number and extension and everything. You have it all. And people think that, oh, no, man, you got to know the Lord is with you. The Lord is with me, but the Lord is right. I love that close beside me. You know, there's, there's, there's a man of God that went to be with the Lord about 10 years ago. His name was Billy Hornsby. He was a Louisiana state trooper. And then after he retired, he got into ministry, uh, with his son-in-law and, and others. Um, and he, 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 he helped start a church planning organization that's still going on today that plants churches all over America. And, uh, he got sick and he was on his deathbed. And his grandkids came to his bedside as he was, he was about to slip off to go be with Jesus. And he was telling every one of his, his grandchildren, the gospel is real. The gospel is real. He said, there's no fear in death. He had no fear in his last moments. He said, there's no fear in death. And one of the children said, yeah, but, but how? How can you say that? And Billy said this, because he's always with you. He knew at the last moment of his life, that the Lord was right there with them. And he was trying to tell his children, which were adults and grandkids, there's no fear in death. The gospel is real. And the shepherd of that gospel is real. And he's right here beside us. Amen? The next thing we see, and I love this too, is that the shepherd defends me. The shepherd defends me. Psalm 23, 4, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Now, let me say, I don't know, you might have grown up in a church or heard maybe your parents use, because I know in my house, when my kids hear the rod, they don't think about comfort. That's, that's the opposite of what they think, right? They're not thinking comfort when they hear the rod. And you might have, maybe you've had a pastor or a parent or somebody use this psalm to even like, you see, the Lord's going to correct you. He's going he's gonna to use the rod to get you right. That's not what that means at all. Trust me, how many of y'all uh, got correction with the rod when you was growing up? And uh, the rod might have looked better. It was a fleece water for me when we first grew up. And then they graduated to a belt. I don't know about what they used for y'all. It never brought comfort, right? But he says your rod and staffs. Listen, the shepherd's rod was a heavy stick that the shepherd used to stun or kill attacking animals. He says the rod comforts you because whenever wolves or whatever other predators would try to attack the sheep, the, the shepherd would use that rod to, to whack them and, and, and to, to stun the animal or even kill them to protect his animals. That's how the rod comforts us because we know that the Lord will defend us and protect us. And then, of course, the staff was the shepherd's crook, right? And that's what you usually see in the picture. You see the rod with the hook in it, right? The, at the end, the curve, which is used to assist every individual sheep. In the evening time, the, the shepherds would have the sheep pass through the crook one by one so he can count them and examine them. Come on, y'all. When you start digging into the scriptures, David said this for a reason. He would examine every single sheep at night as they came back into the fold, which symbolizes the good shepherd knows every single sheep in his flock down to the number and examines us. He was examining them for wounds and, I don't know, bugs or whatever, but he's examining us for the same thing. But it goes back, he's examining our souls. When he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? 
He wasn't asking for Adam's geographical location. Adam, where are you in here? I'm here to check on you, Adam. I'm here to check on you, Daryl, Clovia, Tony. Add your name there. When you think about that, 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 that staff next time, remember, he's, he's, he's examining you. He's, he's wanting to keep track. He is keeping track of what's going on in your life each and every day. It gave the flock peace knowing that the shepherd was there and he was equipped for any emergency. See, our Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, he's not just a hired hand that will run away at the sight of danger, right? No, he's the true shepherd who came to give his all for the sheep. And he talks about that, that you just hire somebody that, that didn't belong, the sheep didn't belong, and then, well, man, first sight of danger, they're gone, right? Look what John 10, 11, Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, the shepherd of the sheep, of real, of like, of animal sheep, would use a rod to protect and, and win victories for his sheep. But the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, used the cross to defend and defeat us. Look at what, uh, I mean, to defend us and defeat the enemy. I love this scripture. Colossians 2.15 says this. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In the natural world, when you die, it seems like there's loss. In this case, the good shepherds laid down his life. He laid down his life on the cross to win a victory for us. To disarm the rulers and the authorities. Evil rulers, some translations say, right? And that's what it is. The image here captures the glorious victory that God accomplished through the cross of Jesus. He has won it for us. The overall hostile spiritual powers that attack us, the Lord defends us through the power of the cross. Amen? Through the power of his blood. And that's the imagery here. Now let's look at the second part of verse 5. 23, 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Now we're reading all of this and it comes here. And that's a kind of strange verse to, to be like right in the middle of that. What does this really mean? What he's saying is, while there's a war going on around us, a spiritual war, right? Like these sheep were probably laying down at night in the, in the sheepfold and the door was closed, but the shepherds weren't around and he's protecting them, fending off, you know, attackers, fending off people that would try to steal them or animals that would try to kill them. So when there's a war ranging around us, the Lord says, look, I'll set a table with a nice buffet there right before you, you can sit down and eat while I fight the battle for you. The real life illustration of that is our, our, our military, our U.S. military. For years and years, that's what happens, right? We go to work. We go to lunch. We go home. We sit down at a table. We eat in peace. We lay in our beds peacefully while there's troops overseas fighting for us to keep us safe. Isn't that right? That's the imagery here. So when you read that, that's what's going on. Except it's in the spiritual realm, right? Yes, there's a point for us to do spiritual warfare. But listen, our God is fighting for us. Your shepherd is fighting for you. Even when you're sleeping, even when you don't know it, even in the thick of it, when we say, God, where are you? He's in the thick of the battle fighting on your behalf. That's what he means by set a table for you in the presence of your enemy. Even right now, God is fighting for you. Amen? And the sixth and final thing, and I love this and. And really, this is a more accurate translation, and that's why I want to end and, and go back to the New Living Translation. Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. The shepherd pursues me. Come on, that's the heart of the Lord right there, right? He's not just following us, church. He's pursuing us. He's pursuing us. Think about it. We're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. Those of you that are married, you men, let me speak to the men here for a minute, right? You pursued your bride, right? 
to, 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 once you marry. Hopefully, you're still pursuing her. You're still dating her. You're still trying to woo her. That's what the Lord does. He pursued us. I, I prayed that earlier. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. He's been pursuing us, and the Bible tells us, David made it clear, he's never going to stop pursuing us with goodness and mercy, or I love this, unfailing love. Because the word surely actually means only. Only. So read it that way. Only your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. See, a shepherd would lay down each night at the door of the sheepfold, look back on his day, and thank the Lord for the many blessings of his goodness, mercy, and unfailing love that he showed him and his sheep throughout the day. As an old man, David looked back over his life and came to the same conclusion. In spite of his sins and failures, and if you read the life of David, we know there were some major ones. He had been pursued by God by all three of these things. And as David's pinning this at the end of his life, he realized that, Lord, I messed up. I've done many things, but only your goodness and loving kindness. Even in the midst of correction, amen? Again, even us as parents, when we got to use the rod and it's not comforting, we do that because we love our children, right? So in that, in that aspect, it's for someone else. But you see, if you read the life of David, he committed adultery, had a man murdered, that, and, and uh, horrific things. But even in that correction, he knew that the Lord loved him. He knew that he was merciful to him, and he was still good. As we started out today talking about, he's still good to him. See, this is the Old Testament equivalent of Romans 8.28 that says, God has worked all things to the good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's the same, it's the same uh, uh, mindset that David's speaking with. Is that God, you know what, I did a bunch of dumb things, stupid things. But still, you work these things out in my life. Still, your goodness, your unfailing love is pursuing me every single day of my life. So as I close, I want to read the last part of Psalm 23, 6. Where David says, King David says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. See, this isn't a reference to the temples because kings didn't live in the temple. Also, nobody could live there or anywhere forever, right? He was talking about heaven. He was talking about eternity. He said, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Jesus used the same wording when he was speaking about heaven in John 14 too. Jesus said, in my father's house there it is again. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. I love this. David closes this chapter with an eternal perspective because he knew the Lord as a shepherd personally. If you read Psalm 23, you can tell David's not talking about a God that he heard of or a God that he read about or shepherd he read about. He was talking about the shepherd that had walked with him throughout his whole life. And he said, now, even though I messed up, even though I sinned, I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. So as we close today, my question to you is, do you know the shepherd personally? It all goes back and starts with knowing God. Do you know him personally? John 10, 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It starts with a personal relationship. We're going to pray in a minute that God does help you, provide for you, lead you, whatever you need. Maybe it's restoring your soul. I really believe that's, that's a big part of it today. But it starts with knowing him. All these things we talk about, like I said, it's, 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 it flows out of a right, right relationship with the Lord. So I know the Lord is pursuing all of us, and he never stops. 
But for some of you, he's been pursuing you in here and online. But you never, maybe never actually allowed him to come into your life as your personal shepherd. Why don't you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes? Again, David knew he had messed up, committed some horrific sins in his life, big mistakes. Even more, had some mistakes with his children and things went chaotic there for a while in David's ladder of David's life. But he knew that the Lord was merciful and forgiving, and he is. See, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard and that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, that's why David said, I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. That word death, the wages of sin is death, is an eternal death because he says the free gift is eternal life. That's why David had eternal perspective. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Either we're going to live forever with the Lord or we're going to live separated, tormented in eternal death. The good shepherd laid down his life for you and for me. That if we ask him to forgive us, if we come to him and say, Lord, I've sinned and I pray you forgive me, I'll make you my Lord, my Savior and my shepherd. The Bible says he's faithful and just to do that. That we repent. It says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now, nobody looking around. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity at. I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. I don't know where I'd be. I, 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 I want to pray for this family. I just think a lot of y'all saw what happened right here in Scott just this week. A horrific, horrific tragedy. Again, reminds us that no matter how old or how young we are, our life can be taken in an instant. So it doesn't matter how old you are in here. This is the most important part of the service. You say, Brandon, if today was my last day on this planet, I don't know where I would spend my eternity. I don't know if I'm right with God, if I have a personal relationship, but I want to know. If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, man, I want to get right with God today. I see your hand, sir. In the back over here, ma'am, I see your hand, sir, over here. In the middle. Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Over here, ma'am. Anybody else? Even at home, see your hands back there. Young people, come on. Even, even at home, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands over here. The Bible says if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. So come on. We're going to all pray this together. Even those of us that are as a family, just pray something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I repent and I turn to you. I make you my Lord and Savior. I receive the free gift of salvation. Now, Lord, would you shepherd me? Would you lead me and guide me through the rest of this life? Give me the grace and the strength to hear you and to obey you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these that made this decision. Amen. Amen. Well, congratulations. If you made that decision for the first time, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision, fill it out, bring it to the info center. If you watch it online, there's a link that says connect card, fill that out uh, as well. For the rest of us, why don't you stand up? And I want to pray as we close, I want to pray through some of these. Well, I appreciate nobody move around right now or, or take off. This is an important part of the service as well. Why don't you just bow your head with me one more time? Because the Lord wants to help you right now. We prayed for provision already, really, at the beginning of the service. Why don't you just close your eyes with me one more time and just 
out of these things we talked about, with the good shepherd, how he shepherds us, are you needing direction? Do you need him to lead you? Do you need restoration in your soul? I really feel like that's a big one for some people. And I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you've been hurting. Maybe you've been, you've been hurt. You've been betrayed. You've been disappointed. Maybe even with the Lord or just the stress of life, of tragedy, of disappointment, of lack. And your soul needs to be restored. You've maybe been running around trying to do it so many ways, trying to help get help so many ways. But it may be you just sitting in the still, letting the waters of the Lord, the presence of the Lord wash over you and having him come in and restore, heal, and strengthen your soul. Come on, I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, if it's any one of these that I've just lift up your hands, it may be another one from this psalm and just say, I need my story so, soul restored. Or I need guidance right now. Or maybe it's still, it's provision, whatever it might be. And maybe you don't know that the Lord is with you right now. Come on, Father, I pray for these. Even at home, lift your hands. These with their hands raised, Lord. As we see, Lord God, how wonderful you are. You are the good shepherd, Lord God, and you're wanting, Lord God, to guide, to defend, to provide, to lead, Lord, to protect, to restore. I pray for those that have broken souls right now, hurting souls, Lord God, weary, weary souls. Lord, for those that are weary and heavy burden, I pray today, restore them. May they, Lord God, feast in the green pastures of your word this week. May they sit at the still waters and let your presence wash over them as they worship, Lord. Maybe it's God and some of you right now are at a crossroads in your life, maybe with your job or something else. You got a big decision. The good shepherd wants to lead you exactly down the right path that you need to take. Lord, I pray for those that need direction, that don't know their function Lord, in the body of Christ, Lord, that you would get them on the right path with your name on it, Lord. In Jesus' name, we know you are the good shepherd thank you for laying down your life for us thank you lord god for helping us for being with us you are right close beside us i know you'll never leave us nor forsake us you're setting a table for us right now in the presence of our enemies some of us when we walk out those doors this week there's going to be wars raging lord remember the like god help us to remember that you're fighting for us right now and we can sit in peace and feast, Lord God, as you battle on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, that your rod and staff are comforting us and that you're paying meticulous attention to us each and every day. I thank you, Lord. I pray that you would bless these as they go and give us the grace to apply this to our lives and to tap in to all that you have for us, Lord, through a personal relationship with you. We thank you. We love you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Have a great day, men. I encourage you, if you didn't sign up, go on our app or website, sign up for the fish fry. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. We love you. See you soon.